And I really see that, you know, invisible disabilities, as we move down that path in five years, culture is changing. And that shift is changing because of understanding that it's not just where you see somebody in an assistive device, but there's this whole other group and the impact and how that's a positive thing. And I, I really see that. And I'm excited. That was Wayne Cannell speaking about some of what he sees in the future for those living with invisible disabilities. People living with invisible disabilities is our focus on this episode, episode number 68 of Looking Forward. Welcome to Looking Forward, where we speak with experts about marketplace and societal trends, and most importantly, how they might affect you. I'm Jeff Ostroff, the host of Looking Forward. If you're like me, you're fascinated by trends in the future. In fact, several years ago, that was one of the things I focused on in a book I wrote. Hi, everyone. Today, we'll be discussing something that directly affects a significant percentage of the estimated 1.2 billion people around the world who have disabilities. If you are not one of these individuals, Odds are, they're one of your family members or friends. I'm speaking about those who have invisible disabilities. In other words, they don't use an assistive device like a cane or wheelchair. This means that most of us have no idea of the challenges these people deal with day after day, not even some of their own family members. In part one of this two-part series, we learned about those with invisible disabilities, the challenges they face, the improvements that are being made on their behalf, and about an organization that is working tirelessly to advocate for them. In part two of this series, we'll cover such things as how things have evolved over the past couple of decades for those with invisible disabilities, COVID's impact, what the future might look like, what opportunities this may present, and more. To help us with all this, we're going to speak with an expert on this topic. He's Wayne Cannell. Wayne Cannell is president and CEO of the Invisible Disabilities Association. Wayne founded IDA in 1996 out of the desire to educate friends and family about his wife Sherry's debilitating illness. Soon afterwards, people around the globe began sending emails sharing how IDA had changed their relationships with their loved ones. Wayne's background fueled his passion for helping people living with illness, pain, and disability. His mission and efforts helped quickly launch IDA into a worldwide outreach for millions living daily with invisible disabilities. These days, Wayne spends most of his evenings, weekends, vacations, and holidays volunteering for IDA. During daytime hours, Wayne is focused on managing the telecom infrastructure team for Dish Network and Sling TV. He is also founder and president of the DISH Disability Advocates Network, a DISH employee resource group. He loves sharing and blogging about the great work of IDA and advocating on behalf of all people living daily with illness, pain, and disability. Wayne has been given the opportunity to speak at many organizations and businesses over the years about invisible disabilities as well as share via local and national TV and radio. Wayne is also co-author of the book, But You Look Good, How to Encourage and Understand People Living with Illness and Pain. Wayne, with Looking Forward, we first look a little bit backwards, and I would like you to 
give us some idea of how things have changed for people living with disabilities, chronic pain, and so forth over the past few decades, right up until COVID hit the world around the start of 2020. In your opinion, have things gotten worse for people who have disabilities, including invisible disabilities? Have there been improvements made? Give us a quick history, if you will, of the important things that have happened over the last couple or so decades. Well, of course, the uh, American Disabilities Act was a really uh, a real boon and a great thing for people with disabilities, right? Um, it brought awareness, but it, uh, a huge thing it brought was accessibility, right? Because people were not, you know, were basically weren't allowed to do a lot of things. They couldn't either access a facility or in the sense of, for example, from a work standpoint, it allows people to get reasonable accommodations. You know, so most accommodations they say is under $500 for a business to come up with accommodation where they can, you know, do that. So uh, that's been a great rise in that sense. You know, we're, we're used to seeing the, the, the accessibility symbol, the wheelchair. So we, we understand that portion. But I would say that people with invisible disabilities, I don't know if it's necessarily gotten better. I mean, it's a, it's a big journey for us, you know, a very small organization with a global reach. Sometimes I feel like we're the voice in the wilderness in a sense that yeah. way. Um, you know, we're kind of the glue that holds people together. All these organizations are out there doing amazing research through either MS or diabetes. We can't exist without them. But what we are is what I call the cure of the heart. We get to go home with you when you're, you're diagnosed with MS and your family members say, well, the doctor said you got what? You don't got that. You're just having a midlife crisis, you know, or whatever. You don't look disabled to me or you don't look like you have a disability to me. Those things were that opportunity to come together because we love supporting other organizations even. And that's what we do is like to come around them because it doesn't matter. That's what our mission is, right? You're fulfilling our mission. So people with invisible disabilities, there's been a rise in, in disabilities as the time has come along. And, you know, you think about the rise in autism. Um, you know, I think it's almost one in 50 now, uh, children are born with autism. The other thing is, is that everything is spectrum related in a sense. So autism has got this really good, but, you know, we can't just say, oh, you have MS, so are you in a wheelchair? Well, a wheelchair doesn't necessarily mean your MS has progressed different than somebody else's. Um, it just depends on where it's impacting. And what if you have multiple illnesses? So there's all these things that we don't understand. We don't understand anxieties. We don't understand phobias. You know, all these things that uh, addictions, those are all invisible disabilities. And so there's been strides good, but I think there's still a lot of stuff going backwards in some sense because we're still focused on specifically on a wheelchair per se, which is great for accessibility. In fact, we even have wheelchair symbols now where we made them where they're in motion most people with invisible disabilities can't push themselves in a wheelchair per se. They need somebody to help them. I mean, they're chronically ill, they're in pain, they're those things. So the emotion is great for people who are able to use a wheelchair on a regular basis and they're you know, out there doing incredible things with it, but what is it creating? And so we're hoping that that'll be a change, right? Yes. I'm wondering, Wayne, when I listen to what you had to say, we do have more children, we'll say, who have been diagnosed as having autism. And we also have heard, certainly in the last 20 or 30 years, about people with ADD, which I think I have a little bit of, but when I was a kid, nobody talked about ADD. I, so I, it leads me <laughs> to ask you, and this is kind of good news and bad news, are the numbers up in part because maybe we've gotten better at recognizing and diagnosing certain conditions? I think that's part of it. I think that's some of that. I think that, you know, think about it many, many years ago, we used to say people were senile, right? Yeah. But now we have, 
you know, we know what dementia is. We know what Alzheimer's is. Also, people are living longer, right? And when you live longer, you're more likely you might have a disability. There's environmental factors that we're that are impacting people dramatically too. You got chemical industries and all kinds of stuff that we're finding out. Oh, maybe that wasn't such a good idea yeah. <laughs> years ago to do this, right? We yeah. don't, you know, we don't know these things. There, there's things that are like tobacco. You can still get tobacco, but we all know tobacco is probably not good for you. But we do things even that may not be good for us even, right? So there's, I think there's a lot of things that, that are impacting and, and changing those. I think there is a lot of visibility, but there still is this huge stigma on people with invisible disabilities because people can see it, that somebody's just making it up or they're just faking it. Like they get some special privilege. In fact, you might've heard this phrase, all they want is, they just want attention. That's why they're sick, right? Yes. Well, here's the interesting thing about that is, it's the worst thing ever if you want attention because everybody leaves you. Yeah. You lose all your friends, your family, and everybody. I'm like, if you want attention, that's not the way to get it because they've just all abandoned you, right? There's got to be a better way to get attention. And it's, maybe it's having a, a cute little cat on YouTube and then you can get attention. But I will tell you what, otherwise, being ill does not get you attention. It has the opposite effect. That's such a powerful statement, Wayne. I'm really glad that you pointed that out because I know some individuals, I'm thinking of one in particular, very close to me, who certainly falls under the category of having an invisible disability. And it is very difficult for that individual, but it's also difficult for those close to that individual to really understand what's going on. And when you talk about it's not about attention seeking and you present it in that light, I find that very powerful. Well, it's back to that. Maybe we're not listening and maybe if we'd validate and maybe we'd ask, hey, I don't know what, you know, tell me about MS. I don't know what MS is. You know, I'd love to learn. You know, it's earning the right to be a friend to somebody to ask him. Think about this. When you see somebody walking in a crosswalk and they're walking slow, what is your first thought? Hurry up and move. Right. But you have no idea what they're going through. Right. You don't know, you know. And so one of the things that we love to do, especially through the even the interviews like this, is if we can get people to think a little bit differently when they see somebody driving slow on the highway, if we think a little bit differently and say, oh, maybe this is what's going on. You yeah. know, it's about being compassionate as a human, right? <laughs> Siding first on compassion, not on judgment right? Because we have this tendency to judge so quickly by what we see. You know, you can't see somebody's illness in, in 30 seconds, by the way. You can't do that, right? They've spent a lifetime. It's just like with a doctor. A doctor doesn't, you know, if you only get to spend five minutes with your doctor, you know, you better find another doctor if you're living with an illness because, but you're going to need to provide the doctor stuff ahead of time. You need to help support them. You know, my wife has got a journal for every year that she's had a disability for like 30 years, right? And she has a a huge spreadsheet she sends over to the doctors ahead of time to say, here's the things I'm going through. Let them learn ahead of time. She's not going to show up for a 15 minute appointment and go, oh, by the way, I have blah, 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 blah. That's going to overwhelm the doctor, right? But the doctor also needs to understand that the person in front of them is probably an expert, especially thanks to the internet, in their disability or their illness. They're yeah. the expert. They need yeah. to understand that. Yes. And I would capsulize what you said about how things have evolved in this way, for those who have more readily apparent disabilities, things have improved perhaps significantly because of the Americans with disabilities. Well, yeah, the only thing that hasn't improved is that we make assumptions that what people can do and can't do. So we see a wheelchair and think, oh, they can't do this. Don't make those assumptions. Ask the person, 
well, don't even ask them, let them tell you what they can do or can't do. But we also make the assumption, we think that they're able to do things by what we see. We got to stop doing that. We got to stop. We got to start listening to the person with disability and let them let us know if they need help. Yes or no. Don't make assumptions they need help, but let them ask for it. Let them share with us what their abilities are and not, you know, what abilities are they not able to do? Listen to them. Don't become the armchair doctor, right? Instead of the armchair quarterback, right? You know, like all of a sudden we become the armchair doctor. Well, oh, I know what that is. You must blah, 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 blah. No, everybody's illness is unique. All their symptoms are unique. Their multiple illnesses are unique. Let's listen to the person. Let's believe them. Let's understand from them, right? Unless you've been there, you're not going to understand. Believe me, I have had people, veterans, who have said, I wish I was missing a limb. And Mm. I think that's the most horrible thing. But they're like, well, then maybe somebody will believe me with the stuff I'm going through. That's terrible. It is terrible. So I guess the other aspect which you just hit on is that where we haven't really made great strides in one area, there's several you alluded to, is recognizing the people who have invisible disabilities and dealing with them in a much more sensible and sensitive way. Right. Wayne, we started to talk briefly, you started to talk briefly about COVID-19. Clearly it's had a dramatic impact on many individuals and tragically we've lost so many people because of it. I'm wondering if you could share with us your perspectives on what impact COVID-19 has had on the issues and the causes that IDA and you have been advocating for? Well, a big part of it is around the the isolation, right? My wife was social distancing for 20 years before COVID hit. So in that sense, people with disabilities that invisible, it was like, this is what we've been doing (laughs) in some sense, right? But what's happened is, is the isolation and people don't understand isolation. AARP did a study in 2010 that being isolated is like smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Ooh. Okay. Yes. So imagine here we are where everybody's isolated in the world. We're all feeling the anxiety. So we're all feeling those invisible disability symptoms. And my hope was, is that we would bring a bit of understanding to walk in the mile in my shoes thing, right? The question becomes, as we move out of this and less isolated, what are we doing for people with invisible disabilities? Well, they're even more isolated. Now we have a group additional group who were never isolated before that are like, oh my goodness, I can't be impacted by this. Legitimate fears, the impact there. You know, I think about the whole issue of, you know, we would call it mask shaming. You know, last year there were people who couldn't wear a mask because of their disability. We shamed them. This year there are people that have to wear a mask because of their disability and we shame them. I wear a mask even though I'm vaccinated for my wife, but people look at me Oh, is it, you know, so there's, and there's vaccine shaming. There's all these things where we don't understand what goes into living with a disability. I mean, years ago, people, we get together with friends and we say, Hey, if you have a cold, let us know ahead of time and we won't show up. We're not going to keep you from showing up, but we won't show up. And then they don't tell you they show up with a cold. They're like, Oh, it's just a little cold. It's not bothering me. And my wife would get bronchial pneumonia for eight months. Mm. You know, we're not trying to keep people from doing things, but communicate, just communicate and don't think that because somebody's saying, hey, tell me you're having a cold, that we think you're a bad person for having a cold. We don't. It's just part of life now. This is how we do life. And I think that one of the things that COVID and this whole thing is we're learning how to do life differently in some sense, right? 
you know, there's great things where now, you know, you can get stuff delivered a whole lot easier, right? You can pick up stuff. I mean, I go to the, I go to restaurants and I sit in the car and they bring it out to me. That's cool. Right. I did, wasn't able to do that before. Right. Per se, you know, so that's a way that I can protect, you know, protect my, my, my wife and the things she's going through. Right. But there's so many hard decisions, you know, do you get this vaccine or that vaccine? Do you not get a vaccine? Is COVID this, COVID varied this? Ah, there's all these things that are floating around and it's just insurance stuff you're having to deal with and all kinds of crazy. I mean, my wife, people ask her, what do you do all day? Well, it's not sitting around, you know, watching Oprah and eating bonbons. I can tell you that it's, it's literally, you know, five hours on the phone with an insurance company because they build it wrong or, you know, and because they build it wrong in January, everything's messed up for the next six months. Right. And then I have to get involved because I've got to, we've got to get these big giant spreadsheets and figure it all out. And a lot of these people, they've been abandoned by the friends. They got nobody but themselves. We think that friends and family would stay in, but they, they don't, they run. Yes. I would come back to COVID here and ask you, would you say that the situation has gotten worse for people with invisible disabilities because of COVID. You alluded to the fact that more people now are having to deal with some of the things that people with invisible disabilities have. And I would also like for you to say a few words, Wayne, about the organization itself. Are more people reaching out to you? Are you less able to reach out to people now? Can you talk about those sure. couple of things? So COVID, um, there are more people now that have invisible disabilities because of COVID, the after effects, that's part of it and the isolation. So I believe that more people are, more, they're actually more isolated because now they're having to even uh, stay at home more than they used to stay at home before, right? So they're impacted. So that's a big part of that it's happening. And the whole aspect of kind of bucket up, you know, go out there, you can just overcome it. Well, you can't just get up and run when you have a chronic illness for 30 years. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Right. And so the, uh, the stigma, I think is increasing too. We're going to have a real struggle with this whole thing. And I hope that, hope that we come out of this better somehow where we start to believe people more. Right. And we really understand because, you know, you talked about trauma is a big part of it too. Loss of loved ones. You know, we've had over 600,000 people pass away yes. in the U S right. Alone. You know, my, my, my wife's mother-in-law, uh, I mean, stepmother, excuse me, of 50 years passed away, right. Of COVID last year. Right. Mm. So there's that isolation. And a lot of times we can't even spend time with the people when they're passing away, right? Because yes. of the whole isolation stuff. So that's a big part about it. The impact on us as an organization, we, you know, we've had to really go virtual in a sense. We've always been virtual. We've been on the internet forever, but our galas have gone virtual, right? So, you know, we miss the in-person experience, but it really allows us to do the worldwide, right? To really create, you know, because people would say, well, your galas in Colorado, what about in Georgia? Well, we can't be in everywhere, but I will tell you, it's impacted us, you know, financially dramatically. I mean, we wouldn't be here if we wasn't for some of the government programs last year. And we really need to get people that, you know, I, I consider people that are living with invisible disabilities, a lot of times they're almost like orphans, right? They've been abandoned by their friends and family. They, they don't have money. They're on disability, those things. So we need to find people that are passionate about them, people that are willing to say, hey, we want to step up and help support your organizations, like your disease organizations, help support the research. But support us so that we can come alongside and we really need that support. Wayne, again, thanks for sharing that. And we're going to get to talking a little bit more about how people can help out at the end of this conversation. Looking forward, of course, is about looking into the future. If you had to predict, Wayne, what changes or trends we'll see in how society and the workplace employ, portray, accommodate, assist, speak to, which you've talked about, those with disabilities invisible or not, over the next few years, 
we'll say five years. We don't want to go too far out here. What do you think those changes or trends might be, Wayne? Well, you know, our vision statement is, is that people would be invisible no more. That means we would treat everybody the same. And that's truly what I see. And I see that as a good trend. You know, I see it in the corporate world where in the, in the diversity space, we're focusing, starting to focus on disabilities. It's been a long journey, but we're starting to do that more and more. I see that more and more. I see organizations really understanding the impact and the benefit, right? Hiring of people with disabilities. You know, we're used to hiring. We say, well, there's these, you got to meet these four qualifications. And if you don't meet them for this job, you can't be part of it. But what if three of those qualifications really are an amazing part of it? Maybe the social one per se is not something that in that particular job is necessary per se. I see that more, you know, there's a really emphasis on engaging and, and, and saying, you know, we think of the term mainstream, but it's not mainstreaming. People with invisible disabilities are all around us already. It's not like we're bringing them into to what we're doing. Yes, We're just really saying, hey, let's let them be part of what they have been part of already. Let's provide opportunities for them. Just an understanding. And I really see that, you know, invisible disabilities, as we move down that path in five years, culture is changing. And that shift is changing because understanding that it's not just where you see somebody in an assistive device, but there's this whole other group and the impact and how that's a positive thing. And I, I really see that. And I'm excited, uh, excited to, uh, as, as organizations start pushing that way, corporations are getting involved. You know, we've got a, a new um, uh, volunteer who is part, our director of ideas, which is that invisible disability education awareness support. It's a young lady who uh, has autism, who was told she'd never go to a college, right? And then she got a bachelor's, then she got a master's, then she got her PhD in social work. And now she's a professor, right? I love and so it. she's helping us really educate students uh, incoming students about disabilities that they don't understand. You know, why Why do they have to, you know, go to this place or, or get up earlier or, or whatever it is they need? Why is that? You know, versus asking the question, it's like, hey, we're all created a little bit different. We have things that go on. We use that to move forward, you know, by moving forward. Uh, you know, it sounds like the name of a podcast. <laughs> Almost. Almost, but not quite. I want to come back at you on what you said. You're seeing some positive changes over the next several years. And I wanted to ask you a two-part follow-up to that, Wayne. One is, why do you think that's happening? And, and it won't be one thing. It's probably multifactorial. Is it because of COVID? Is it because of IDA? Is it because of all these other disability supporting organizations? Why is that happening? And then the second part is, do you see this happening in a more global way, or are you really talking here about the United States as opposed to what you might be thinking is or will be happening outside of the United States? Well, I think, I think it is a global, it's not just the U.S. I think it is, um, it's just bringing more awareness. You know, see, you see more awareness on a global scale, see more awareness on a, um, a national scale at the state level, you know, passing uh, bills that allow people to self-disclose if they want on their driver's license with a symbol, right? I mean, that's a huge thing. I think it is, it, and it's the grassroots. It's how our organization started. We're a grassroots organization, right? And it's it's that impact. And I think Invisible Disabilities Association is having a big impact around the world. You know, as we continue to bring awareness, education and connection, as more and more people find out about the impact that we're doing, it, you know, it really does make a difference. I'm very encouraged by what you've said, Wayne, about the corporations, 
not only in the sense that it sounds like you've been able to get out there, particularly pre-COVID, but to get out there and speak to these different organizations, but that you're finding, I'm sensing more employers that are open to addressing this. I know DISH is, but others that are open to addressing these concerns. Oh, absolutely. I'm seeing it all, all over LinkedIn, for example. I'm connected with a lot of the chief diversity officers. And I really see that, uh, you know, companies like Walmart and other companies, you see this happening. It is a focus because if you think about it, it's a huge portion of their population has a disability, right? It's just, you know, it's going to be part of that. And so I think that we're, we are making a difference in, in that space. You know, what's interesting, you talked about COVID, we've actually been doing a lot of online training just as much through Zoom and really have mastered the art of uh, the online where we can actually, you know, what's exciting, for example, this Disability Advocates Network started virtually, right? And so we're reaching people as a company all the way from like California to uh, India, you know? And so that's one of the things that's happening. We are really becoming a global economy in that sense, even though we've had a website since, like I said, 97, which was global already. Yes. Wayne, that's exciting. I personally have experienced more of this global connectedness, and ironically, it's been triggered by COVID <laughs> because we're using Zoom and other applications more frequently right. to reach out and connect with people. I wanted to now ask you the other really important thing we tend to focus on as we get close to the end of the conversation. Looking forward is also called looking forward because looking forward, generally speaking, is something positive. I'm looking forward to this, that, or the other. And for us on this podcast, looking forward, we're thinking about opportunities. I'm really interested to have you share with our listeners what potential opportunities you think IDA and other related advocacy organizations, you've mentioned some of them, will help create or spur for people with disabilities over the next few years. I think a big part of it is, is not only are we seeing the recognition on the the, uh, the state level on disabilities, uh, not only in Colorado and Alaska, but there's quite a few states that are looking at bills, but even on a national level, where we're looking at ways that we can provide uh, um, visibility, in a sense, is what I would call it, uh, to disabilities. I mean, that's the reality is, and I see, I see that happening, and it's uh, working with other organizations uh, to, to bring that about. And most of those are at a grassroots, really, as they started, you know, they started in the different states. And we're here to help lead that charge as well. We have our National Disability ID Program, where we actually have an ID that people can get here in the U.S. and around the globe. You know, when people wear this ID around their neck, we want businesses to, to learn that all I have to do is ask, how may I help you when they walk in the door? Or when you're on a bus or you're in an airport or wherever you're at. Not asking, oh, what, you know, why do you need help and all these other things. It's like when somebody, if they pull that out, you go, well, how may I help you? And as we learn to be a society that says, how may I help you? I think it will change, uh, change um, lives for a lot of people for the better. That's great. Is there anything that you would foresee in the way of job opportunities that the work that your group IDA is doing and other related groups are doing, that it might open up more opportunities in employment for people? Well, I tell you, online and COVID has really helped drive this. The whole work from home movement has really been actually a boon for a lot of people who may not be able to go to an office, be in an office. Also, the ability to work, not an eight-hour shift per se, right? Maybe it's a few hours here and a few hours there. 
maybe it's supporting people in different places around the nation. Yeah, I think there's a huge opportunity, you know, in that space uh, for people with disabilities. And we're excited about that. You know, businesses are starting to understand that more, right? And they're starting to be more flexible um, on what that looks like. Yes, great points again. And this ability that certainly has been magnified to work remotely has to have some positive impact on opportunities for those who are living with disabilities, invisible or otherwise. Now, this has been really great, Wayne. You've really sensitized me, and I'm sure a lot of other people, not only to the population that you're trying to serve, which is so many of us. And as you've pointed out, if it's not us, if we're in that group that doesn't have to deal with a disability, invisible or otherwise, we know somebody very close to us who does. Right. How can our listeners find out more about you, IDA? I know you have a website that you started way back in the 90s. And how can they get involved with you in your work that will help improve the lives of people with disabilities, again, invisible or otherwise, and their caregivers? Well, yeah. So our website's invisibledisabilities.org. Just using the term invisible disabilities will always find us. That's, I think, the biggest place to go to. Uh, we've got a phenomenal YouTube channel. You can find it through the website, or I call it ida.tv, ida.tv. You can get there real simple. So those resources are National Disability ID Initiative. You'll find the, that on the website, or you can go nationaldisability.id. We use technology really to make it easier for people to, to get involved. And this year we're adding Twitch to really reach out to the gaming world because there's a huge portion of the gaming world that actually is living with invisible disabilities. That's fantastic. Wayne, if people would want to get in touch with you relative to the great work you're doing with IDA, can you please spell your last name for them and let them know how they would connect with you through IDA? Yeah, so it's Wayne. My last name's Connell, C-O-N-N-E-L-L. Probably the best way is to reach us through contact at invisibledisabilities.org. That's on the website as well, but that's probably the best way to get a hold of us. Of course, I'm on all the social media channels uh, involved in there. You know, if you're a corporation or a business person wants to get involved, you know, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Love to connect as well. We're grassroots and we need, we need the support, especially of businesses and organizations that want to come alongside. We want to come alongside and help you as well and love to do that. Yes, and another group that I hope will take advantage of how easy it is to reach you and to participate in your programs is the group of people who work in other disability-related organizations. It would be to the benefit of everyone if all of those organizations, optimally, but at least many of them, can connect with IDA and help you in your efforts, which are really noble, as I said at the beginning of the show. Almost 40 uh, groups got involved in our Colorado law, which was really exciting. So that was a great partnership right there. Right, yep. Excellent. Wayne, this has been terrific. Thank you so much for being our guest expert on Looking Forward. I just hope for more great things over the next few years. And I hope that your wife stays as well as she possibly can be. And it's wonderful that she has, should I say, your undying support? Is that the right phrase? <laughs> sure, absolutely. Your steadfast, your steadfast, steadfast. support. All righty, take care now. Thank you so much. That's it for part two of our two-part series on invisible disabilities with our guest expert, Wayne Cannell of the Invisible Disabilities Association. If you missed part one of this series, you can find it at my website, 
www.jeff-ostroff.com or you can listen to it on your favorite podcast hosting site. And if you have any questions you'd like to ask Wayne or me, you can also reach me at my website. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something. I also hope that you'll tell others about our show. If you have any comments or ideas for future episodes, please contact me at my website, jeff-ostroff.com. That's J-E-F-F-Ostroff, O-S-T-R-O-F-F dot com. This is Jeff Ostroff inviting you to join us again next time on Looking Forward. <laughs>